it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Bear Den, where we cover all things Baylor sports. My name is Matt, and today we're going to have a conversation with Matthias Schwarzkopf from Wide Right Natty Light. We'll be talking about Iowa State and West Virginia. This will begin our Behind Enemy Line series, where we lead up to the kickoff of the 2021 season by talking to and about and previewing all the other nine teams that are in the Big 12 Conference. But before that, we had some news break today, and especially if you're a Baylor fan, where the NCAA released its findings and penalties regarding Baylor University, specifically the Baylor football program, and its sexual assault scandal from 2016 when they... Got rid of everybody after the Pepper Hamilton report and all that. This has finally come to a head and finally been released. And I'm going to go over the findings of what was said and what the big um, the NCAA said about it. So, the punishments were as follows. A four-year probation, a $5,000 fine, a reduction of 30, a reduction to 30, Football official visits during the 21-22 academic year. A three-year ban on unofficial visits in football during the 21-22 academic year. A two-week ban on football recruiting communication during the 21-22 academic year. A reduction of football evaluation days by three during the 21 fall 21 and by 10 during spring of 22. A five-year show calls order with a former assistant director of football operations that who was not named. During that period, any NCAA member school employing him must restrict him from any athletically related duties 
until it show calls, shows calls why the restriction should not apply. A vacation of all records in which student athletes competed while ineligible. The university must provide a written report containing the contests impacted to the NCAA media coordination and statistics staff within 14 days of the public release of this decision. Now, Mac Rhodes and Linda Livingstone met with the media. Um, that followed a uh, statement that was released by Baylor University regarding the findings of the NCAA. And what we come to fact come what we came to know as fact is that Baylor did not dispute any of the findings of the report. Baylor also felt that the punishments were fair given the circumstances and that the vacation of wins directly relates to the 2011 season. And it affected, according to Matt Rhodes, Mac Rhodes, it affected five games during that season. So Baylor effectively would, in the record books, go from 10 and 3 that year to 5 and 3 that year. And all things considered, this was a lot less than what I thought it was going to be. I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that it was going to be a little bit more of a steep consequences and may see things like, I don't know if you'd say a bowl ban, but maybe a, a scholarship reduction. You might even see a vacation, vacated um, championships for the 2013 and 2014 season. None of that came to pass. Um, there were no scholarship reductions. There were no bowl ban. Those records remain intact for those um, championship seasons for Baylor. So with all things considered, this was really the best possible outcome for Baylor. And if you're a Baylor fan, you couldn't have really expected anything better than what happened um, today with the release of the findings. People will be upset who are not fans of Baylor, and that's understandable, considered what happened. And Baylor fans will rejoice. However, I would caution, let's not rejoice too much, because the reason we're in this position of having these findings released was due to rampant sexual assault on Baylor University campus that was not addressed appropriately. Now, moving on. Some good news for the Baylor basketball program is they get a huge commitment from a five-star guard, Keontae George. George had offers from Arizona, LSU, Texas, Kansas. Um, you name it, he probably had a offer from them, and he chose Baylor. It's been a huge week for Baylor. Um with uh, last week's NBA NBA draft, you have the summer league going on right now that's um, has filled with Baylor guys, and then now you have the commitment of County George. Uh, things couldn't be looking any better for the Baylor Bears. So now we're going to be joined by Matthias Schwartzkopf, and we'll have a discussion about Iowa State and West Virginia. Start recording. Now I'm now joined by Matthias Schwarzkopf from Wider White Natty Light. Matthias, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Good to be here. Look forward to actually having some football with uh, some fans in this day, or I guess more fans in this day. I guess we had some fans, but. Oh, no, absolutely. To have like a have actual real game experience. day here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I wanted you to talk, of course, about Iowa State, which is a team that you cover, but um, I teamed up all the big 12 teams with uh, a counterpart and West yep. Virginia was kind of the natural one considering you're the kind of the outliers don't have an in-state big 12 team to team up with. 
Yep. And so I thought we'd start with West Virginia and kind of go over how you think their outlook is going into 2021. Um, so basically the, I want to start off with the quarterback position because there were some things said at big 12 media days for sure about the limitations that uh, Jared Daggy kind of displayed last year. And do you think that he's the quarterback that could get them to do what, um, Neil Brown wants to do on offensive side of the ball. Well, um, yeah, obviously he's got some talent. I mean, he was third in our, in the big 12 in passing. So, I mean, he's got some arm talent. He's got, I, I think he has all the tools to play quarterback and in, in the big 12 and be that kind of mid tier or even top five kind of guy, obviously he was top three last year. So he's kind of there. So, um, you know, I guess in preference of, of quarterbacks for Neil Brown, I guess I'm not hundred percent sure what he is going to be looking for, but you know, from the eye test of an Iowa state fan, I would think that guy uh, certainly has the tools to make a West Virginia offense. Uh, one that's successful. Um, obviously we didn't see that last year when Iowa state and West Virginia played each other because West Iowa state just kind of beat them down and it wasn't really much from there, but you know, you see, go back and look at some of his other games and he certainly was playing pretty decent to, to make you believe that he's going to be the guy. And I, I, I think he will be, I mean, you know, you got some questions. I think you sent me earlier that we're, we'll talk about later, but it made me think about him a little bit more in depth, I guess. Yeah. And on the other side of the ball, the, um, the defense for West Virginia was, I guess, a surprise for most um, mm-hmm. Big 12 fans. And now they did lose a lot, coaches, players off of that side of the ball. Do you think that they're able to get close or replicate that success, or will they be more of a take a step back than 2021? You know, all the things I've kind of been looking at for West Virginia, at least, in, and I'll, I'll be completely honest, I haven't done a whole lot of deep – you know, when the whole realignment thing kind of popped up, it was kind of, it kind of threw a caution to the wind and everything went out the window, kind of looking forward to the season, you know, in that regard. But um, from what all the people we talked to, you know, West Virginia fans that we have in, in experiences with and things like that, um, you kind of get that sentiment that the defense is still going to kind of be a focal point of their team. Obviously, they want their offense to be well, and it's going to score some points. But, uh, you know, they had some nasty dudes on that defense last year, and I think they really want to keep that going forward. And, you know, when you're playing the likes of, you know, Oklahoma, um, who knows what Texas will be like on the offense, you know, figuring out their quarterback position, you know, Max Duggan for TCU. I mean, you got to have some dudes that can stop the stop the big train offenses in the Big 12. So, um you know, I, th- I think their focal point's going to be their defensive defensive front. It was last year, and I think it will be again this year. Um, just something Iowa State and, and teams teams otherwise will have to game plan around is that defensive line for West Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. And they did lose one of the um, one of the brothers off of the yep. the defensive line, but they have um, the other one returning, and then they lost some people in the secondary, the transfer to Georgia. And I just think my personal, I think they will take a little bit of a step back, but I don't really, I'm the same way with you as far as like, I haven't been able to look too much into two deeps of of West Virginia. And we're kind of just starting fall camp to really know how that's all going to, going to shake out by the time season kicks off. Um, Looking at their schedule, they, they do have, um, they're non-conference. I mean, they have a couple, like West Virginia always does. They have 
you know, Maryland and, and Virginia Tech and to start the season, do you think that they're able to, to garner enough wins to get to bow eligibility or will it be another, another one of the like slog to try to get there? You know, if you talk to West Virginia fans and they're kind of, they're, they're telling us that they're going to be a middle big 12 team. Um, now you look at all these previews, I guess, if you want to call them that um, by talking heads or national writers, they kind of have West Virginia a little bit further, further down than what the fans yeah. do. Um, but, you know, I, I, Neil Brown's a good coach. You know, he's proven that at his previous stops before West Virginia. Now, uh, you know, if, if they're like sixth or fifth in the big 12, are they going to, you know, probably make a bowl game? Probably. I mean, they were six and four last year, good enough for a bowl game. So, um, you know, you add in a couple more non-conference games, they'll have three before they come in the conference schedule. I mean, they, they gotta, you know, I, I think they're going to be right there in the middle. I mean, who's to say, who's to say Oklahoma state, we don't know what they're going to be fully like yet. I mean, there are little changes there. TCU, I think people are kind of picking them to be up in the near the you know top four kind of the league. I mean, any given Saturday, things can kind of shift around and anybody can win and, you know, they could, they could find themselves in that, you know, upper, you know, from six to fourth range. It's just a matter of a lot of uh, uh, things can happen there. And we have an obligatory realignment question. What <laughs> in, uh, you know, the ACC gets thrown around a lot, especially with, yeah. um, with West Virginia. In, in your opinion, what's the, the, what do you think their preferred landing spot is, which is probably is ACC. Yeah. And then what do you think the likely landing spot for West Virginia in the, in the whole realignment when it all shakes out? Well, I think their, their athletic director, if he was going to get left behind somewhere, I think that he would probably want to be in the ACC. They don't have to spend that much money traveling. Now, if, if they are committed to the rest of the teams in the big 12, like they keep saying that all the big 12 schools are kind of together in all this, you know, what, what if the big 12 does a, a merger with the PAC 12? I mean, who wants to travel from West Virginia to Oregon, per, you know, just as an example to play a game. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Now the, the problem, the problem with the ACC is, you know, are they going to allow somebody in and then their TV deal doesn't get up until 2036. So, I mean, there's a lot of gray area in there of what, you know, changes can be made or if a change can be made, it just depends what was written in the contract, I suppose. So, um, you know, I, I think if they're, if they had a choice, they would probably prefer the ACC, but it may not be up to them where they might get stuck with the rest of the remaining eight big 12 teams and have to pay play in the pac 12, but do they pot it off and then they don't have to travel out West maybe more than once. And that saves a little bit of hassle for them. So yeah. There's a lot of things that can happen in between there, but you know, a natural fit, if, if everything's going to blow up and teams scatter all over the place, uh, the natural fit for them would be the ACC, but the likelihood as of right now, as everything's kind of pointing, I would say they're probably stuck with the rest of the, 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 um, I rate eight, if you want to call them that, unless all these guys are behind the doors making their own plans and everybody scatters every way tomorrow. And we, who knows? Well, I mean, you know, Kansas, they have a airport in Kansas. Um, <clears throat> Kansas yeah. City, so new terminal coming into yeah, play. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, my, my concern for West Virginia, if I was a West Virginia fan, is being left out and the ACC yeah. not wanting to have anything to really, still not have anything to do with you. And then you're stuck being having to join like the AAC because the there are weird... East Coast teams on that in that 
um, conference. The weird thing for me, I'm looking at every, the remaining eight, like there's like a legitimate concern for like each school that's left that could like, you could, you can envision a scenario where each one gets left out of some certain scenario. And it's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating, but also worrisome all at the same time. Oh yeah, for sure. Now let's go ahead and jump on over to um, your team, the Iowa state Cyclones and you know, in the lead up to the season, there's been a lot of talk about quarterbacks in the Big 12 returning quarterbacks. Yep. And mostly it focuses on uh, Spencer Rattler. Um, what do you, how do you think that uh, Brock Purdy compares to some of those other returning quarterbacks, namely like Spencer Rattler, who is, you know, predicted to be like the number one draft pick and Heisman contender and all that? Yeah. Obviously, Spencer Rattler's the dude. He's gonna be the dude. Um, he, he's got. He's a tremendous talent. He's got. He can throw the ball all over the field. Um, you know, we were we were talking last night on our podcast. You know, obviously, like Brees Hall last year was the Big Twelve offensive offensive player of the year, and we probably don't envision that being the case this year. Spencer Rattler's gonna go off. They got tremendous talent on the outside wide receiver. I mean, they got some a fresh another freshman five star freshman coming in this year that's probably going to play significant snaps that's probably better than Mims that was a freshman last year i mean it's just crazy so obviously Spencer Rattler number 1 um you know what happens with West Virginia quarterback that could go into play here as well but uh, you know Brock Purdy he's seasoned veteran um you know he's not going to wow you with his extreme arm talent he doesn't have that top end like where he can throw it 60 yards he doesn't have that but you know, he's a, he's a career completion guy of 60%. You know, it's been consistent every year he's played. It's never been below 60%. It's never been above 70%, but he's right there in the normal ranges. Um, you know, quarterback rating sitting around the 120s, the 150s in there, um, game in and game out. And, you know, he's had those few lumps and bruises there where he's had a pretty low quarterback rating, you know, a couple picks here and there. Um, namely, you know, Baylor last year, he threw three picks and came back in the second half looked like a totally different quarterback. Yeah. Um, short memory in that regard kind of thing. So, uh, you know, he's the all time. He pretty much has every single record for quarterbacks for Iowa state, you know, and he's just, he's, he's the symbolic guy for the, the way Iowa state football's kind of changed here over the last couple of years. Um, so I would, I would imagine he's going to be in that top three range. He's, it's probably going to be really hard to keep up with Spencer Rattler yardage wise. Cause you know, Iowa state's going to want to run the ball more than what Oklahoma is. Um, so, I mean, if you know, you're probably looking at mid, you know, 3,500 yards, you know, 20 some odd touchdowns, hopefully the picks are below seven. Um, and you know, he's, he's right there in the end. If, if Brock Purdy is in the top two of the big 12, you know, something's going right. Yeah, for sure. Um, just have to avoid those passes like against the TC when you're kind of falling back <laughs> to the ground into the straight funny, up into the air. It's funny you mentioned that they posted a clip on the Twitter uh, a couple days ago of a defensive making a play and Brock Purdy made a RPO read and it looked like it got to the it, he read it to the screen, which the wide receiver missed the block and then the corner jumped it and picked it off on a screen. So it was just everybody's like, oh, TCU all over again. Yeah. But, <laughs> let's just hope that doesn't happen that was ugly and talking about like expectations going into the season as a, a fan of a team that's not a traditional powerful team a middling yeah. team um whenever you have expectations it always scares me to death because you're either 
not going to meet them, of course. And then, mm-hmm. or you do well, but it's just not what everyone thought you would be. You know, you, it's these two extremes. How do you think, um, how does Iowa State meet the expectations that people have kind of thrust upon them and maybe even they thrust upon themselves going into this year? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there's, as the year went on last year, expectations or belief grew more and more. Um, and Matt Campbell was really good at kind of shutting out the outside noise. You know, you saw their name rising up the list in the, in the college football ranking, you know, it was at six at one point, you know, people are talking about them. How can Iowa state sneak into the college football playoff? You know, these guys are, these guys are watching this stuff. They're seeing it, they're digesting it and they're taking it for what it is. But I think Matt Campbell does a good job of kind of downplaying that. And I, I, you know, I think he has a good spot where he can, build some sort of case for these guys to like, Hey, you know, yeah, you might, there might be some expectations out there for you guys, but there's also a target on, you know, target on your back and, or maybe people don't still quite don't think you're good enough. He's really good about, and we've seen that building a case and making his team play off that case. So I don't know what the case is this year. Maybe he, maybe he's telling them they're not still not respected or whatever it may be. Um, and they're just going to come firing out on all cylinders. But, you know, the last two years, we've kind of seen a change in that, at least mindset for Iowa State players, that they 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 kind of feed off a certain storyline that Matt Campbell creates. And so who knows, whatever, whatever else that may be. Now, as, you know, expectations for Iowa State, what are they? You know, you're probably looking, like, for myself, I – Iowa State fans are probably expecting us to get to back to the Big 12 championship game. Obviously, that's going to be a tough road ahead. You know, new teams, you know, different mindsets for everybody starting all over again. You know, improved teams, you know, Baylor's going to probably be better. TCU's going to be better, healthy. Um, who knows what Kansas State will be. I mean, it's going to be a gauntlet every every week, and people yeah. are going to recognize, you know, hey, they're going to you – know, Iowa State ran through the Big 12 last year in the regular season – and we're not going to let that happen again. So, you know, I was, it, it, we're, all, we're still Iowa State fans at heart. You know, we're still the, the ones that took the 70, 70 point lumping at Baylor, you know, year, just years ago, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, yeah, we, we expect them to be back in the Big 12 championship game, especially with all the guys that are coming back. But at the in back of our heads, we're still like, you know, we're still that two and nine team, two and two and 10 team that, things go wrong. That's probably happening again, you know, kind of thing, but this team's too talented to let a two and 10 record happen. But I mean, yeah. like we, like we touched on earlier, things can go either way and they could end up with just eight wins in total and be sitting in fourth place at the big 12. It's just, there's that much talent, I think still in this league that you, you got to bring your a game every week. Um, You mentioned, you touched on like firing on all cylinders historically, especially under Matt Campbell, it seems like they, I would say, seems to start off slow yep, and kind of work into like this, you know, into like Brocktober, yeah. you know, and then they kind of fire, fire, then they're firing all cylinders, you know, classically like last year with the Louisiana game. Yep. And then it even pretty much um, all of his seasons, he's kind of started slow, but then they've got caught up to, got to speed. Um, it, can they avoid that type of start this year where they come out, you know, fired out of a cannon? Yeah. I, ideally, I would like them to see, you know, no, no slow start. And, and if you're going to have a slow start this year, you can kind of afford it 
because you know you're playing you and I. Obviously, you and I in past years has has kept up with Iowa State in in first games and things like that. But I think you and I has a little bit of a talent gap now. They're 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 fumbling a little bit here. Um, they didn't look very good in their spring season um, in the Missouri Valley Conference and the awesome key guys from that team too. Um, so I mean, you got you and I, and if you know, I they're going to be ready to play the Iowa game. I think they always they have been under Matt Campbell minus one season. Um, just some certain things just haven't gone their way to, you know, kind of get over the mountain in that game. And then you play UNLV in Las Vegas, which is UNLV is not a very good team. So um, by then you're all the way through September and you're into Brocktober. So, but you know, all, all jokes aside on that Brocktober, <clears throat> excuse me, Brocktober deal there. But um, yeah, you don't want to be going into the fourth quarter against you and I only winning by three points or something, you know, as a top 10 team in the nation kind of thing. So yeah. Um, that's another thing we I talked about earlier. It's the Iowa State fans in the back of our head. We're we're we we still think we can use lose to you and I in the first game. Like there's people who, on Twitter, you know, they're saying, "Oh yeah, we can still lose to you and I," kind of thing. So we're all we're all we're really excited for this, but we're also in the back of our heads, just like really really cautious about it. But yeah, I I think if they can hit their you know not so much their peak, but just come out ready to roll and steamroll you and I, and then. You know, I think they're far better than Iowa at this point in time, talent-wise. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be pissing around with them, to say the least. You know, in, yeah. in the fourth quarter kind of thing, too. So, um, I'll be. I, they've been talking about it. It's been a hot button. I think whatever Matt Campbell's silver bolt is, I hope it's ready to rock and we come out ready to roll on September fourth. And on the uh, on the personnel side, you know. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, they've kind of like set the standard for defense in the Big mm-hmm. 12 and how to defend those, you know, spread offenses that pretty much at the time all the Big 12 teams had. <clears throat> but they did lose some personnel on the, the back end of the defense with yep. Lawrence White and Jaquan Bailey moving on. How do you, how does the Cyclones um, replace those two guys on, on that part of the defense? Yeah, so Lawrence White um, – Obviously, he made an NFL roster through um, undrafted free agent, but you know they they went after a graduate transfer out of Illinois, Jaquan Amos. Um, you know he can play both corner and safety. I think he's going to be the number one option there. Um, you know he's, he's kind of a you know you you don't think it's Villanova as the powerhouse FCS school, but a guy that he's he's got size, he's got length, um, developed over his years at Villanova. You know he's you know. FCS is some somewhat you're playing you're playing some decent level competition. Now it's not going up against like a Oklahoma every week, but at least you're going to be somewhat seasoned compared to throwing in a guy that's never played a college snap in his life. Um, you know, so this this guy can play both corner and safety. Um, so no, if he, if he doesn't win the safety spot, we do have some concerns out at left corner um, opposite of Anthony Johnston, where that, that would be our weakest spot on our entire team. Um, we just haven't been able to get that, uh, you know, aside from a number one corner spot, we haven't been able to get that number two corner spot locked down for at least three years here. So we've been skimming by there, but yeah, Jaquan Amos is going to be the number one guy. Then we got guys like Mason Chambers. Uh, he's, he was a freshman last year. He kind of got thrusted into the, Big 12 title game after um, after we had uh, you know I'm blanking on the name right now but a guy went down with a, a targeting call 
Um, and then there's some other freshmen that are coming in. We, we just don't know what they're going to look like yet, but that's, I think that's going to be the easier spot of the two that we're talking about here filled compared to Jaquan Bailey. Now Jaquan Bailey, um, was is the career sack leader at Iowa State, which wasn't a hard, you know, in terms of other schools, wasn't a very high bar to beat, you know, as a sack record. But Will McDonald's going to kind of be a guy that's going to break that record. But who's going to be opposite of Will McDonald in the defensive front? Um, you know, we got guys like Corey Suttle, who hasn't really played a whole lot of snaps. Um, Cordarius Bailey, he's built like Will McDonald. He's been injured. Um, he He's basically a senior at this point, um, just hasn't played just because he's been hurt. He's another guy that's names popping up. Zach Peterson, he took over for Jaquan Bailey when he was hurt a couple years ago. Played pretty decent. Didn't have very many snaps last year. We don't know really know the reason why, but he's a, you know, a big kid that's got a high motor, and he just keeps coming. He doesn't normally get to the quarterback as much as Jaquan Bailey did, but he's a guy that creates pressure at least and can push your offensive tackle into the backfield and kind of create havoc that way. Um, you know, and there's some other guys that have been recruited over the years that just haven't had playing time. We don't know what the what's going to be behind those three guys, but those are be the top three guys that are going to kind of replace Jaquan Bailey. Um, if I had to guess, day one starter is going to be Corey Suttle, opposite of Will McDonald. Um, but there, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of rotation there to find out who, who really wants it. And now for you, the uh, Iowa State obligatory realignment question. Um, so I've, I've seen a lot of Big Ten talk, which of course makes sense. Yep. Do you think that is the – or is that your preferred landing spot for Iowa State? And, again, like who, who do you think the most likely landing spot is? Yeah, I think if you talk to all Iowa State fans and even myself, the the Big Ten, if you, if like we said earlier, if it, the I rate eight gets blown up and everybody scatters, you had to find a home. The Big Ten would be the number one option. It makes sense geography wise. You know, you're you're smack dab in the middle of Iowa. You got Iowa City two hours away for a conference game. You got Minneapolis three hours away for a conference game. You got Lincoln, Nebraska, three hours away for a conference game. Champaign, Illinois is about six hours, not too far. Um, Madison, Wisconsin, five hours. So everything's within driving distance for Iowa State fans. We all travel really well. It's not a big deal for us to drive to Minneapolis and kind of take over that stadium in a random November game. We have no problem doing that. So that I, to us, you know, that's a natural kind of building some rivalries, um, and, you know, you talk about building a rivalry, if you had to put P.J. Fleck against Matt Campbell from their Mac days, that certainly would be an intriguing game to watch just because of some stories that have come out from their Mac days of how much they kind of hate each other. So I was about to say, know, that, talk about, like, polar opposites on the spectrum of coaches. Yeah, exactly. I can think of two more opposite coaches than those two. Yeah, so I, I – I, would love to be to love to see that game happen for one and just to kind of be on a fly on the wall, the conversation after the game too. But um, yeah, so it's the most natural thing. And now it's just a matter of what, what the hell's the big 10 thing. And they're the ones who have been the most quiet about this. I think they've been, they've been outspoken about the college football playoff uh, expanding. I don't think they're for it now just because they, they see the kind of shady crap that the SEC is trying to pull behind everybody's back. Um but they haven't said anything about conference realignment really. They, you know, they said if, if things make sense, yeah, maybe they'll look into it. But other than that, quiet reports come out for Kansas looking at the big 10, you know, is that somebody just starting 
message board rumors, whatever it may be. Um, there was an early report for Iowa State was going and Kansas were looking at the Big Ten as well. I don't know if that was even real. I doubt it. Um, so that would be the preferred landing spot. Um, the most likely one right now is you're staying with the the big the remaining Big Twelve teams, and you're ended up in the Pac-12 or you're in some kind of scheduling alliance, and you're hopefully keeping the same amount of money that you were getting before, and if not close um, you know, from TV deals. So, uh, it, I just hope, I just hope there's some resolution to this or somewhat some sense of direction middle of the season, or even if not before, just so some of these guys can get on with their lives. You know, I, I think the recruiting aspect of things could be the one that hurt the most for the remaining 18, because people are going to use this against them. Um, we're, we're already kind of seeing it on the Iowa state side of things, but you know, we got some high level targets that we're going after for the 2023 class that I think we're in really good position, but there is some talk out there that, you know, okay, what's holding it back from them even thinking about committing early is they don't know where Iowa state's going to be in five years. Are they in the AAC with everybody else and not, you know, nobody gives a crap about them or whatever it may be. So I just hope for everybody there's, we kind of know what's good, what the heck's going to happen and we can kind of just go about our business, but yeah, big 10, most wanted, most likely probably back 12 or by ourselves with the scheduling Alliance. Well, Matias, thank you for joining me. Thanks for jumping on. Um, talk about Iowa state and, um, where can people find you if they want to see more of your work? Yeah. Um, obviously we had the wide right natty light Twitter account. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> quizzing me now, but, uh, it'd be at wide, right. RT. N-A-T-T-Y-L-T. Uh, that's to just wide right natty light um, in some short. And then me, you can find me at Matthias Wide Right or W-R-N-L, and that's M-A-T-T-H-I-A-S-W-R-N-L. Um, yeah, you can find me tweeting. Uh, we're right on widerightnattylight.com, and that's where we hang out. All right, thanks. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to thank Matias for joining me and um, talking about Iowa State and West Virginia. Next time, we'll be joined by Philip Slavin of the 1012 Podcast and the 1012 Network, where we'll be talking about Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That one should be up on Friday, and we look forward to that conversation. We had a really good conversation about those two teams and, and realignment, as usual, in this day and age. But if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow the podcast at the Bear Den Pod, or at the Bear Den Pod on Twitter. You follow me, you can follow me at Matt D Workman on Twitter. And if you like the podcast, why don't you consider following or subscribing to the podcast? You can find it anywhere. You can find podcasts, uh, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcast. And uh, until next time, sick and bears. Network. When you need to work quickly and confidently, you need Grammarly. 
It's a trusted AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with better writing. And it works where you work, across 500,000 apps and websites. 96% of users agree Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Grammarly. Easier said. Done.